Hi, everyone. This is Catherine. I am recording this week again from New York City. So you may hear some various noises in the background, even though we did our best to edit them out. So thanks again for your understanding and on with the show. Hey there, queers. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming back to, to hang out with us. We've missed you. We have. It's already December when we're recording. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> Time is a construct. <laughs> this week, we have some heavy stuff this week. It, it's good. It's good. We have some heavy stuff, important stuff. But yeah, let's. Uh, we're going to jump into it. This week's episode is brought to us by the letter... A for AIDS, HIV, and in honor of World's AIDS Day, which was December 1st. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I felt like I needed something to break in, and this feels like a good starting point. I know we don't offer a video option on these podcasts, but I need everyone to know that Joe is showing me on the camera a tiny plastic baby that's, I don't know, maybe half the size of my my pinky finger. And one of my first thoughts was, is this is this king cake, which I thought was a celebration <laughs> for Mardi Gras. I'm like, did you make one of these? But then I remembered this was more of a prank that happened with friends. I think friends and family of uh, hiding certain objects around the house because, you know, it's hysterical. (laughs) Similar but different. So these ones, the little infants that I have, uh, they were actually a gift from Megan. But she got me, and I'm not even joking, a coffin full of tiny babies. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) For my 30th birthday. I mean, it's, it's full of these tiny babies our original plan was for she and i to just like hide these in different places around the city but with covid that it doesn't work (laughs) so we still have like a few hundred other babies and so uh we'll be dealing with those post-covid but yes you're right It, it it is very reminiscent of hiding shit around my sister's house if you're gonna leave me at your house to house it I just feel like you can't be mad if things are covered in tinfoil or everything has moved a little bit or, I don't know, there are tiny plastic dinos and little puffballs, hundreds of them hidden everywhere in your shoes and pockets. You're, you're just doing a modern day Easter egg hunt for adults. Yes. And again, it's 2020. So anything like that that's a little a little strange but can be a delightful but annoying surprise hey to take up your time during this pandemic why not all for it oh i kind of like that delightful but annoying i kind of like that as like a a little tag for me to all of our dear listeners if you would like a handwritten letter with a tiny plastic baby inside please email us at unsensationalpodcast at gmail.com and hey we'll send something your way with joe's tiny plastic babies and my calligraphy skills if you want something written out like hashtag delightful but annoying we will send that to you (laughs) as a thank you from us for your listening contributions it's been a pretty big week 
And it's been a big week for a few things. One, I found out what my voice sounds like if I were to be a very slow moving robot. Absolutely incredible and inc- and terrifying. Two, Elliot Page came out. Yeah. Again, which has yeah. been incredible. I was happy to see. I, I don't want to say that like he's the first. I was happy to see that from what I know, he was the first person to come out after already having fame that was comfortable with he they pronouns and i think that that was huge so i've had i've had thoughts about this because what's been really exciting about elliot page coming out is that pretty much every like public article that referenced him changed overnight So information on Wikipedia, Netflix, Hulu, whatever, updated pronouns to be he, him. And here's here's where I have a, I don't know, potential issue where I I saw like a discontinuity in that Elliot Page came out with pronouns of he, they. Everything that I've seen updated is only using the male he, him pronouns, even though... (laughs) And about two years ago, I think, Sam Smith, who is a songwriter, came out as non-binary, excuse me, they, them, preferred pronouns. And that was kind of just swept under the rug or like not as really accepted or talked about. And part of me is so happy to see how far we've come and also kind of just really the immediate embracement of, cool, this is who you are now great, we're rolling with it, versus the I'm still getting exclusion of non-binary they, them. You're right, and I'm glad you brought up Sam Smith. I remember when Sam Smith came out, but I don't remember it being as big as it has been for Elliot Page. It's interesting that in a situation where publicists and production areas have an option between he they they're still going to choose the binary for comfort and ease and a lot of people used to be a lot of things (laughs) i used to be a child don't call me girl i'm not a girl and that yes that is very different from transitioning but it just goes to show that people understand that the same person will have different ways of talking about themselves over the course of their life and that's okay different words different times i do have to say i'm doing a quick scan of sam smith's wikipedia page uh the pronouns used are they them good i'm glad i was also glad to see that for elliot page the pronoun switch seemed I don't want to say flawless, but I think it was executed very quickly. I've, I have seen in a few cases, Elliot's dead name being tossed around. I haven't seen it to negate Elliot's personhood. I did see it in an article where they were trying to explain who Elliot is. They'd used very similar phrasing to when, you know, when an actress gets married And then they have a new name, you know, so-and-so, formerly known as blah, blah, blah. And so I think they were trying to draw that together. I can understand that, especially for those who kind of aren't exposed or as knowledgeable 
about the trans community, I, I kind of do understand that from that perspective. We'll immediately be like, who's Elliot Page? And just need that trigger for, oh, this was their dead name. That's who this actor is. And yeah, that's it. Just kind of move on from there. I'm thinking of maybe like my parents' generation or around that. And honestly, how I would talk to them about Elliot Page's news is a little bit different. And I would end up using their dead name in in that small conversation. And then kind of, you know, going on to explain potentially what a dead name is. I don't even know if they know that actually, to be honest. Um, So I, I think it is just a more sensitive topic of being like, yes, this is how you would kind of discuss it. If there are new reprints of, I, I don't know a lot of what Elliot has been in. I know that Juno was a big one. Because I know that like for things moving forward as they're produced, it will of course reflect Elliot Page. And they can't go back and <laughs> raid everyone's house to pull off anything that has, you know, their dead name on it. But where do you make those changes? And that's something I just don't know. Like, I'm just curious about that kind of thing. I don't know either. And that's actually a really good question that I hadn't thought about. And I guess my first response was, maybe it's Elliot's choice. I would hope. I would hope he would be able to talk with some of the the studios or production companies that have this information and say, yeah, I do want it updated or... I don't know, maybe recognize that that is just a completely different person and that life is kind of behind me. Um, So while that's been, we don't want to completely erase it, but that chapter is definitely closed. So like it is what it is, Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's definitely not who I am going forward. And and you will see my name printed as Elliot Page. I genuinely don't know. That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm curious to see what happens. Great. I have seen some discussion about, um, again, specifically the movie Juno. I don't know why that's the only one popping up, but there have been, there have been some interesting discussions in the queer community about now that Elliot has come into his truth, does that make Juno a trans story? And there, I've seen a few different sides where some people are saying, yeah, it kind of does. And this is why. But then there are plenty of people saying that's not the story that was created and we need to respect the story that was created, but also recognize the incredible acting skills of Elliot in that movie to not only at that point have been living under a different name and a different expression. And so acting that way and also acting in the movie. So there were two layers of separation between what we saw on the screen and Elliot Page himself. I'm actually more on the latter side of what you just spoke about for the simple reason of there are plenty of kind of gay or queer actors that would play as a straight character. And while we do kind of need that, same representation of yeah it's awesome to see a queer actor play a queer character because they bring a different level of authenticity to it I for this movie suppose that I would argue this is a this is a character and and kind of leaving it at that but what I did get really excited about is what if they do a Juno remake 
Mm. That I would be super duper excited about. And that could be a kind of, I don't even know what Juno is. Sorry, trans pregnant love story adoption thing. I don't know. I didn't actually watch it. Um, I just, I just know that Juno as the character has a child and giving up the child for adoption right but then it's kind of about that family dynamic that happens is that what it's about tell me i don't know i haven't seen it either <gasps> okay great so we're just <laughs> i feel like i was right Wee! i was just right outside of like either the demographic that they were looking for or the age group they were looking for. like i feel like i was just outside of that where i was like oh that might be interesting but i wasn't like oh i want to watch it it's just it was also one of those things i think it was a movie when i saw it come out i was like this is one of those movies where it's like they don't want to have a manic pixie dream girl and so they just do like the hipster thing where you off brand it a little bit and then like it's still good with all the witty banter and the bands that nobody knows it felt a little too hipster try for me here is the official summary from Google, so Joe and I can pretend to have a clue what we're talking about. When precocious teen Juno McGuff becomes pregnant, she chooses a failed rock star and his wife to adopt her unborn child. Complications occur when Mark, the prospective father, begins viewing Juno as more than just the mother of his future child, putting both his marriage and the adoption in jeopardy. didn't know that's what it was about when I said family <laughs> dynamic <laughs> well that's different I'm not I, crazy about that summary I think that I think it would be incredible if there was a great storyline and Elliot Page really wanted to make that role I also worry about, though, in that situation, are they just capitalizing off of transness? Are they monetizing someone's journey to try and make more money? You know, like, oh, you've gone through some changes. Let, let's make another movie that's just like the first one, but this time trans. Like, uh, so like, I, I, if Elliot Page is into it and he really wants this you know, to remake roles in a way that puts his transness or just him being a man at the front or being non-binary at the front. Cool. I, I guess, yeah, I, just, I worry about the monetization of identities in that way. Mm. And also I worry about um, the fetishization of it that... I guess in my brain, I also think of everything that exists right now with Elliot's dead name on it and people now saying that's going to be a collector's item. And so on purpose, seeking out media and seeking out anything that has Elliot's dead name on it. And then holding on to them to turn them for a buck to be like, oh, I have the rare copy of blah, blah, blah that has Elliot's dead name on it selling for 3000. Like, I, so I worry about some of that stuff and I don't know how to, I don't know how to mitigate those, those kinds of things to make the world less hurtful 
except to look around at people and be like, don't be a dick. Don't fetishize the trans experience here. All right. I actually had the same thought and concern that I was like, ooh, people are now going to want to collect these DVD cases or, I don't know, or books or signed copies of something where it's referencing their dead name. So Mm -hmm. that is a very tricky world to navigate. I don't know. I do... And I I don't want to say that it's not important to have trans people tell trans stories. Just like you said, when you have a queer person playing a queer role, they can just bring something into it. Like there's something that feels more real about it. And for me, it's also one of those things where if these two actors are going to play two queer roles, even though both of them are cis straight people, I think it would be incredibly important to have, I don't know, maybe like a couple queer people be able to like read the script and be there to actually like talk about these scenes like yeah i see why you would want you know a sex scene to start that way but never ever (laughs) has sex between two men started like that or never has sex between two women involved this okay you're trying to get dudes to like this and you're fetishizing it this is weird And that's why I was excited for a Christmas movie that did involve a queer person playing a queer person. The Happiest Season on Hulu that starred Kristen Stewart, who is bisexual. And in this movie was in a relationship with a another woman. That was the that was the crux of it. And I was also going to bring up this movie because I was super duper excited about it because it's a queer Christmas movie. Joe and I have talked about it on the podcast before. That's literally all I want. Cheesy holiday romance movies, just with a little more diversity in it. A little less cis-het whiteness. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, however, this movie did not deliver on one important aspect. Um, I would like a queer holiday movie that does not revolve around the aspect of someone coming out to their family. That does not have to be the entire plot line. But what I was going to mention about this movie is having someone queer in it even made like the smallest, even the smallest thing, which I'm not sure if other people noticed, but I did. And it was really important to me. Kristen Stewart at the beginning when she was talking about her girlfriend and potentially wanting to propose to her and looking at the seriousness of their relationship kept referring to her as my person. That's it. You don't hear that kind of language in straight romantic movies, but that's language I myself use currently and have in the past. And even just something as small as that, the term of endearment that you use or how you talk about your significant other to someone else actually was a accurate reflection of what it's like to be in a queer relationship. And that made me super duper happy. I saw one comment of someone of like you want to know what the most unbelievable thing about this movie was the fact that when it cut to the kitchen and panned to Kristen Stewart making their morning morning coffee that it wasn't oat milk it was just regular milk you're about to tell me (laughs) two queer women (laughs) drink regular milk excuse you it's going to be oat or almond (laughs) 
And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, that's so ridiculous, but so accurate. <laughs> it is. It is. I was really glad to see the movie. I think we definitely need more queer representation. You're right, where it's not the coming out story. I don't want to blend together the coming out story with holidays anymore. I don't want to. I don't want to. And watching this movie gave me a lot of a lot of grump because I'm not going to lie. I've been the Christmas surprise because my name is Joe. And sure, they may have texted their family J-O, but their families always respond to J-O-E. And then I showed up and they were like, oh, Joe. And I was like, yeah. They're like, Josephine? And I was like, nope. They're like, oh, Joanne? Nope. (laughs) You're never going to get there and that's okay. And I'm sorry that like it's breaking your brain right now, but like it sucks to be the Christmas (laughs) surprise. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But also there was a lot of behavior in there that was pretty triggering from maybe triggering is too strong of a word. Although in some cases I did feel triggered just some shit behavior that I've seen in queer couples where I'm like, Oh, I've either seen this or experienced it and I don't like it. Okay. We're going to dive into this movie (laughs) a little bit. We'll try to keep it a little, little generic, but if you, if you haven't seen the movie yet and you want to potential, potential spoilers ahead, we might as well just call that out. So, you know, fair playing field one of the first things that really caught me off guard and i was like "Ooh, no bad bad so 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 bad and you've already alluded to it joe is kind of being the christmas surprise that was to speak of it at a high level the girlfriend of Kristen stewart brought up this news when they were already in the car a majority of the way to her parents' house. And Kristen Stewart, before this, you will find it out in the movie, doesn't really have the best, happiest association with Christmas. So she was excited to go for her girlfriend this time, putting herself out on a limb. And that's when her girlfriend decided to break the news to her. And it's just like that in and of itself, this is a holiday that your partner has negative associations with previously you break this news to your partner in a confined space where you're already pretty much all the way there and forcing their hand into the situation and kind of up until then everything had been going along actually pretty fine I think and like pretty hunky-dory kind of you know kind of cool yeah but it was that moment that I was like oh no I'm like, I need to get another cranberry vodka for this movie. <laughs> it was, I, I guess I just had a tough time with a lot of different pieces of it. You know, the, I, I, I don't know. I, a lot of it felt toxic. A lot of it felt like it, again, I felt more like a coming out story than a Christmas story. Yeah. And I guess I just wanted like a Christmas movie. And I, to be honest, there is a movie that I do watch every single Christmas that does have a queer couple in it. And it is not the focus of the story. The Family Stone. It is a sad movie. It is a sad, sad 
movie. Oh, you've talked about this on the podcast before. Okay. I don't think I've ever seen it. Maybe I should one time when I need a good cry. If you say it's a sad set. Okay. I think it's only failed a couple of times to get me to cry. And I, I usually watch it more than once in December, if I'm being honest, but like, whatever, at least once a year. And it it usually gets me. It's, I, I was frustrated in that they, it was literally like the diversity couple because you have a white man who's deaf married to a black man and they adopt a kiddo. So right there you have gay, disabled, interracial, like just with the couple. So I'm like, wow, you guys just put all your diversity right there. Wowzers. But at the same time, the fact that the fact that that character was gay, the fact that both those characters, I mean, in a, in a gay relationship, I, we, they never specifically mentioned that they're gay versus bi versus pan or any other, but in a gay facing relationship, that was never like the thing it came up in a scene and it was supported pretty well by the family, actually pretty damn well by the family, but it wasn't like the thing there was no coming out it was like oh yeah where are they oh they're like great here's my son oh and then like also like the love and affection for his partner you know so it was when i saw that i was like oh like what what good representation like it's just another couple it's just another couple i hope that there will be more movies with queer couples for Christmas because I'd love to see them I just I don't I don't want the coming out to be part of it (laughs) I was even talking to my partner about the happiest season because I wanted to you know get some things off my off my chest after Mm -hmm. watching it and I made a comment didn't even mean it to be like a main talking point of gosh you know I wasn't even like rooting for the main couple you know after I was like halfway in the movie I was like honestly some of my favorite characters in the movie were more of the side characters the secondary characters and she was like "Ooh, wait 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 let me guess there was a best friend character to Kristen Stewart and I was like yeah I was like that 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 was one of them let me guess he was gay and I was like yeah she's like of course because even though it is a woman loving woman relationship and they're gonna have a best friend character that one can't be another woman that has to be a man in there I was like yeah and I was like and the other character that I really liked was one of the sisters I was like, for for the girlfriend as well. And I was like, hmm, good point. We are still playing into some stereotypical tropes, even in the movie. That's supposed to be a little bit more diverse. My favorite character was the ex. Yeah! That was one of my favorite characters. That was so well played and reminded me of, ooh, I may have a crush on Aubrey Plaza now. (laughs) She's incredible. She's an incredible actress. She plays into those roles really well. A beautiful person as well. 
but what I think I liked about I, I did like the fact that nothing happened between anyone in the couple and the ex. I was very happy about that. But to be honest, what I really if, if I got what I wanted out of this movie, the couple would have split up and the ex would have helped the would have helped Kristen Stewart's character pack her stuff and get out. And then there would have been a bigger conversation among everyone, meaning like the ex, the girlfriend, the man, the family's trying to set her up with and like the family. That's what I would have wanted. I, I didn't want the ex to go with Kristen Stewart's character. I didn't want that kind of swap I wanted, I wanted the relationship done because for me, something like that is so disrespectful and uh, harmful and sneaky and mean, just mean. And I understand that, you know, certain people at certain times don't have the safety to be able to come out to their family. Safety being the word, meaning, you know, they will be in danger so they can't come out, whether that means they'll lose their job and have no income, they'll be beaten, you know, they'll be kicked out of their home into the street and they're too young to kind of survive on their own. But when you're already living on your own and you're doing pretty well and you have to be doing well because that apartment was fucking huge, it's not safety holding you back from coming out to your parents. It's not safety preventing you from being open about your relationship. It's something else. And if that was a dynamic where, you know, they were not comfortable being open in public at all, that would have been one thing. But we know from the very beginning of the movie, they were fine. They were holding hands, being sweet. They were out, out. Except to her family. It, it just felt, it just felt crummy. And I'd like to not see lesbian relationships fetishized or like demonized someone always does something crazy every couple does straight couples queer couples doesn't matter (laughs) we're humans we do weird shit circling back to the family stone movie that you had brought up and the queer couple there the gay couple there um and the fact that they had adopted a child uh let's talk about how art imitates real life and real life imitates art because i believe there is some recent news about back at it again at the supreme court uh with the good old separation of church and state and how exactly is that line defined uh about adoption right Mm -hmm. yep there was a lesbian couple looking to adopt they found an adoption agency and they said i would we would like to adopt a child thank you and the adoption agency said no no you're gay we're catholic no can do and I, now i don't know if the lesbian couple are also catholic but i could see that typically Catholic people would go to uh, go through Catholic veins to try and adopt, but also non-Catholic people do. So I think that's either way it's outside of 
yeah, they were they were turned down for adoption. So I do believe that after the election, there will be a Supreme Court case hearing. And what's interesting is, uh, I think it's called like some it's conscious, not not the right to conscious, but like um, I forget the phrase exactly, but it's supposed to be that you can do what with your business you can do what you will as long as you do it in good conscience and in in the means of putting forth goodness which is the same way that hobby lobby has been able to not provide their employees with birth control on any of their medical plans because their idea of what's good is to not have that allowed in this case the adoption agency will not allow a queer couple to women to adopt because that's not good and what would be good is putting this child into a healthy happy catholic straight home and we see this over and over again Catherine. with uh, with adoption the the fucking wedding cake remember so that tired talking about it yes oh my gosh yes the fact that didn't that happen in colorado yeah yeah, having in Colorado. Yes. Ugh. The fact that a was it a gay couple? Uh-huh. Went to a little bakery to get a wedding cake for themselves and they said, "No, no, 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 no. We are not going to do that uh because we don't support the marriage or recognize the marriage uh that would be taking place." So, bye. Mm-hmm. But this is the thing that really killed that is they were willing to make a different cake if it was for like a birthday they would be willing to make non-wedding cakes for this couple so it wasn't the issue that the business was not serving them at all it was that they specifically would not make a wedding cake for these people you're providing a service and i'd like to employ you to do that service when you have a business and you'd like to be able to provide services to people and you want good about the services that you are putting out into the world but what the hell man do you really think that a kiddo continuing to sit in foster care or in an orphanage or in a temporary place is really better off with no stability than a queer home and how sad how fucking sad is that for what people think about being queer i would i would rather a child be and and again worst case scenario i'm going to say this isn't all the time you know be hungry and isolated and you know in a situation that's constantly changing so they can't get their feet under themselves i would rather that for them than them ever be around a gay person much less two gay people oh that's musty i think people too often forget that racism and sexism and I hate the fact that we still have to use outdated words like transphobia or homophobia, which need to update and change, Mm -hmm. is something that people are taught. And it's often the parents or the adults that have an issue with this, not the kiddos themselves. Mm -hmm. 
It's true. Genuinely, it is true. If you, there have been so many, I used to watch a lot of kids before the Rona. And now that we're in the midst of the Rona, I don't because, you know, trying not to kill their grandmas or mine. But kids would ask questions if we were out and about two men holding hands, someone with hair that looks very different from their own, whether it's dreads or a mohawk. You can have these conversations with people about about other people's bodies, their hair. Yeah, their hair. It's different than yours, isn't it? Yeah. What's their hair doing? It's standing up on their head. Yeah, that that's called a mohawk. People decorate their hair in different ways. You decorated yours with these fun little bows today. They decorated theirs with that color. Super easy. See a kiddo staring at two men. What's going on? They're those two, those two men are holding hands. Yeah, they probably love each other a lot. Oh, okay. Do you hold my hand because you love me? Yep. I hold your hand because I love you very much. And I want to make sure that you're safe and I want to make sure that, you know, we get everywhere we want to go together. They probably do it for the same reason. When you start explaining things to kids that basically that young, it will continue forward. And yes, a three or four-year-old is not going to be like, oh, you know, gay or not. Most of them aren't ready for those concepts, especially when I was getting kiddo from like cis straight white houses. <laughs> Tough to have some of those conversations, but putting those seeds there where things are normalized just people people doing people things lots of different ways to be a person that's it oh okay just like there are lots of different ways to play outside yep just like there are lots of different ways to play outside you're exactly right how many things can you think to do outside right now like a million and guess how many ways there are to be a person like a million yep you got it it's easy I think what we're going to see with something like this court case is it's going to come down to you either are or aren't Catholic. I think is what it might come down to. Again, you're either in the club and so you get to get a kiddo from the club or you're not in the club so you can't. Sound like sounds a little bit weird, but fine. The funny thing is there absolutely are queer Catholics. And there are plenty of queer Catholic churches. And so I can promise you that even if for some reason you need to be able to say, I am Catholic so I can adopt a kiddo. I mean, it's not like there's a registration. This isn't Mormonism. They don't have your name written down in a goddamn log, you know, but if they wanted something from the church to verify, like, yep, you have been, you know, a parishioner for this long pretty sure that that would be easy to do not to mention i'm pretty sure that a lot of queer catholics would be okay being like yeah of course you're catholic uh whether or not you are because i would love for you to be able to just have the child what your face lit up your face looks like christmas what is it as we were talking i had a thought of okay so let's say this is a catholic adoption agency that will only accept applications from catholics for whatever reason um i think because we were talking about you know different types of relationships and even romantic relationships my brain went to hmm i wonder if websites like jdate or christian mingle have a option for just even entertain that concept or have an option for not just men seeking women and women seeking men 
I, I did a, a quick little search and apparently because of a lawsuit, they actually updated uh, Christian Mingle around the 2016 uh, year where men can actually now check that they're seeking out men and women can actually check that they're seeking out women. I was just curious. I understand. You and I, I think both understand why so many people believe that there is an entire separation of queer people and Christianity. I'm not going to argue that there should be. I'm not going to argue that there shouldn't be, but there is overlap in those groups. And I think that that needs to be taken seriously. Again, I have my own thoughts, feelings, ideas when it comes to Christianity, but if your version of Christianity leads you to wanting to take care of yourself, others, and your community, it looks for the humanity in people, it wants to improve the quality of life for all people, it is actively looking to help people who are, I don't know, maybe they don't have anywhere to stay, maybe they're disabled, maybe they're overwhelmed, if you are always looking to alleviate struggle, I can't, and your religion helps you with that. I can't, I have a tough time saying that it is 100% a bad thing. As long as you're also willing to wrestle with the fact that the crusades were one of the worst things to happen in the history of humans. As long as we're on the same page about that and the fact that it was literally just like an imperial march to slaughter anyone that didn't fit the ideal of Christianity. As long as we can start with that and be on the same page, I don't think I'm going to wrestle with you too much. Because I think we have to start focusing on, and now what? Not saying to forget the past, but like you encounter racism every day. You see it. Whether you want to or not, you see racism every day. And now what? And now it is your responsibility to stop that from happening. And now what doesn't mean forget the past. It means we found ourselves here. I'm informed about the past. And you're a Nazi, so I'm going to punch you. To quote a very good band, Cheap Perfume, it's okay to punch Nazis. They really are a killer band. Yes, definitely support the punching of Nazis. And talking about that, my brain immediately went to, you know, cops and arresting and whatnot. And Joe, you shared a very interesting world update that I hadn't heard yet uh, for something that happened in France, a country that has changed its tune and now it is no longer allowed to record cops. Mm -hmm. So this is I have questions about this. It is now illegal or for the general public to record cops? Are cops still going to have body cams on them? Even though I know that's a completely separate issue that we could be be getting into. But that was, yeah. So, you know, if you're if you're out and about working for social justice in France, just be um a little a, a little more cautious. Yeah. I don't know if their cops wear cams, but it is now illegal for a member of the public to take video of cops doing what cops do. And that is terrifying. 
and rightly so, France is ripping itself to shreds, as they should. Absolutely. That is so dangerous. And that's exactly the problem that we see right now with cops anyway. Oh, we did an internal investigation into whatever case and we found no wrongdoing. Oh, I'm sorry. The people who fucked up investigated themselves and found no fuckery? Wow. Go figure. The reason that it's important for people to be able to take videos of cops when they're out and about is because otherwise things like George Floyd happen and nobody believes anyone. Nobody believes the victims. Nobody believes those communities. And I'm not saying nobody as a no one in the community. You know what I'm talking about? Mostly white people. You know what else I'm talking about? Mostly men. You have to be able to take video of people who are public servants. I mean, to be honest, you want to go take a video of firefighters fighting a fire? You can. They ask you to stay back because it can actually be pretty dangerous. You know, fire, high pressure water, smoke. But like, you, you can. Not, not a big deal. Also public servants just doing what they do. There's no song that says fuck the fire department. I'm just throwing that out there. I feel like this was very Trump administration of France to implement this, just not owning up to taking responsibility for their own actions. That's, that's absolutely terrifying. It's interesting because the United States and France have a history of kind of sparking revolution in one another. And while I, of course, I don't ever want a community or a country to be put in a position to where they have to have this sort of unrest. I don't want people to have to go to these lengths in order to say, hey, guys, we really should be able to film the cops. Come on. they shouldn't have to but now that they have to and now that they are i think it's important to again continue to look and to ingest where there's other unrest and keep fighting everyone i know everyone is tired everyone is tired everyone is worried everyone is exhausted Everyone's tired of the pandemic, but I really have to tell you, I guarantee Black people are really tired of dying. So, and that's been happening for forever when it comes to United States history. So, I don't want to say buck up, but like, maybe use that as inspiration to fortify yourself to move forward. I want to see that change in France. You have to be able to video those people for safety. Wanting to go back into some queer history, look at everything that was happening. Let's talk about 60s and 70s. Let's talk about 80s. Let's talk about the time when the cops were going in to have sex with men to be able to catch them in a gay act to arrest them. But they weren't gay. They were just trying to make sure that, you know, they were catching the other gay people. It's been happening. This made me think of another thing that I know that we wanted to cover. The AIDS epidemic. 
if you are not familiar with the AIDS epidemic and the changes that that made in the world, the changes that that made in the United States and the changes that made in the queer community, do some looking into it. World AIDS Day was on December 1st, just this last week. And I think right now, a lot of the people in the queer community are so young that like they haven't had a lot of time to grapple with that. Like AIDS, people know what HIV and AIDS are and you know, it's something similar to other viruses and STIs that you prefer not to contract. But here's the thing. Before the AIDS epidemic, the LGBT community was the GLBT community. And kind of as like a, a huge thank you, a huge homage, because there was um, a lot of gay men had attracted HIV and ultimately died of AIDS or AIDS-related complications, and nobody would fucking touch them. Nobody would touch them. Their families wouldn't come see them. People didn't want to deal with them at all, touch them, provide any sort of care. And so queer women really went in to gay communities and they were the helping people as much as fucking possible. And so because of that, it was changed around to the LGBT. And now it's LGBTQIA2+. Yes, but just at that point in history, it was different. And I think that something like that is super important to talk about. And I think that talking about World AIDS Day is incredibly important because right now we are living in an age, and this is so fucking cool. If you haven't heard of PrEP or you haven't heard of PEP and you are in any community where you are at maybe a higher risk for contracting HIV, look into it. You can take PrEP before you've been exposed. You take PEP after you've been exposed. And this is the cool thing. It will not make... It will make it so that you do not test positive, which means it's not transmittable if you always take the dose. It is still, of course, important to disclose your status to another individual as it would be with any STI. But how fucking cool is that? Look how far we fucking come. It's so sad to think about everyone that we lost it's really sad to think about all of the queer elders that we lost. But I think that only focusing on that gives discredit to, I guess just goes to kind of not talk about the elders that did make it through and they had to sit there and watch their community die. And so if your elders have certain opinions on certain things, they're probably well-informed opinions. Don't dismiss them because they're older. They've been through some shit. Don't leave them behind in the community. You take them with you because they built the house that you've been able to decorate. They fought for the right for you to be able to walk down the street and kiss your significant other. It's huge. Look at you and your fancy words. That gave me chills when you said that. I like that so much. That was so nicely phrased. Good. And it's... (laughs) It's again a reminder that even though you may think kind of the the AIDS epidemic is something of the past, it's not. Uh, there are still plenty of ways in our current life that the discrimination still presents itself. If you want, just even look to something that happened earlier this year in 2020 in April. If you don't know our 
the Red Cross, where you would normally make uh, blood donations, for those of you who may not be familiar, for men who have sex with other men, there used to be a 12-month 12, 12 pretty much ban from gay men being able to donate blood. In April of this year, that was actually reduced to three months, as opposed to it just being something that hmm, we're just going to screen out people from the donation pool who are just engaging in risky sexual behavior in general. No, no, no. This is any type of man who's having sex with another man. Mm, sorry, you know you can't donate unless you abstain for three months. Again, is so bizarre. It's so bizarre to me because they test the blood they test for yeah for hiv anyway <laughs> so if you're already going to test the blood i mean i think it would be important to be able to say just like you know if you would be a good candidate for prep or pep i think that having if they're really worried about hiv or if they're really worried about any issue in blood i think it would be important if they were genuinely curious about this you know are you active in any communities that would provide you with a higher risk for any of the following and it could be hiv aids but like if there was a list of those things it was just you know are you at risk and you could check yeah i think i'm at risk great we're gonna get like look at the blood and screen it for this shit anyway but at least here's a marker of someone saying yep i'm donating but i think i'm in a high risk category fyi or don't have people out themselves that way at all because that could you know provide them a space of danger if they're not out if they happen to use needles for excuse me share needles with anyone if they um i don't know maybe they're a full service sex worker you could be outing them in a lot of different ways that would be dangerous to them seriously i'm on the red Cross's official website, the American Red Cross, I should say, their official website for LGBTQ plus donors. They literally have a policy section. They have a section for women who have sex with women, transgender donors, intersex, uh, individuals who identify as gender nonconforming, gender queer, gender fluid, agender, or non-binary, asexual donors, even. I'm actually impressed they have such a list, first off. Second, if you click on every single one of them and expand them, you will see the words that uh, there's no deferral period for any of those individuals that I just listed. It's only men who have sex with other men labeled as MSM that have the three-month deferral period. And you're going to tell me that's not specifically targeted discrimination? Right. I think it's important to change policies to be better informed with the times. I think that it is important to allow people to live their lives. I also think that if you're going to say, we are really low on blood, we need people to donate. And yet you have this massive demographic of people who you will not accept blood from. Cause I like, I think people forget this isn't just gay men. This is bi men, pan men. This is, and when they say man, they technically mean if you have a penis and you've had sex with someone else with a penis, and if you don't have a penis, but you're a man 
and you do have sex with someone with a penis and they're a man like this is a broad category it's a huge category because they're talking about are you having sex with someone who's at high risk for hiv and they could give it to you it's ridiculous and don't get me wrong there were like what almost seven hundred thousand deaths during the height of the aids but it wasn't that isn't that hang on I think so. I think it was almost 700,000 people like during the epidemic that had passed away. So we need to take it seriously. But when you're talking about using something scary like that and worrying like that to discriminate against people, you're just fear mongering. That's all you're doing. There was one thing that I wanted to share, and it was something that um, it always brings me great joy to kind of look back on it. If you all aren't familiar with the Bay Area Reporter, it's a San Francisco newspaper that had been really kind of serving the community since the 1970s in that area. And they had been printing the name of the people who died of HIV and AIDS during the epidemic in their paper on the front page terrifying to watch but it was important to name the people we needed to humanize people it's this gay cancer thing it's terrifying no it wasn't it was people who were dying from a virus that eventually led to a disease and other complications Um, but the thing that provides me with the most joy is that on thursday august 13th 1998 the bay area reporter reported no obits for that day And it is something that always makes me happy and makes me cry. It is absolutely fucking incredible. Absolutely incredible. God, it's just, it's so important to remember where we came from. It's so important. Uh, Subscribe, rate, review. Everywhere you can find Unsensational. And you're listening to us right now, so you found us. So rate us, review us. We're great. Keep it up. (laughs) <laughs> you can also follow us on facebook twitter instagram we are unsensational jk on all of our platforms send us topic suggestions via email unsensationalpodcast at gmail.com as Catherine said you can also request um, a note with a tiny baby and she'll write it up for you and i'll provide the tiny infant <laughs> why not life is weird <laughs> you can also hit the contact page on our website unsensationalpodcast.com throw money at us. Catherine told you a while ago that money is our love language. Stick to it. You guys know how important that is. This has, this has been pretty, pretty unsensational. Until next time, everyone stay queer. <laughs>